Hi guys, welcome to episode three of the Supply Media Podcast. We've got an absolute massive amount to talk about today. So if you only wanted to listen to specific topics, just jump around in the timestamps in the description below. Otherwise, listen to the entire podcast. So the first topic today is talking about Disney's losing $30 million a day. Now, obviously, everyone knows Disney is an absolutely extraordinarily large company, and they've got their hand in a lot of different things. However, with the current crisis going on, what they've got their hand in is extremely problematic. Because it's not just the theatres that are shut, so obviously their movie business is shut down. They've got their hand in theme parks, obviously, with Disneyland, and they're in cruises. As you can imagine, cruises is one of the worst things to be involved with at the moment, and it is going to be one of the worst things to have a business around for coming years. So basically, to cut expenses, Disney has basically furloughed all of their employees, pretty much anyway. Now, what does furlough mean? Furlough basically means they're not fired permanently, and they won't be receiving any sort of pay. Now, to sort of ease everyone's concerns, Bob Iger has effectively taken the reins. Now, he's not actually CEO again. That's still up to the new Bob. However, what he's doing is sort of giving a familiar face that everyone has been used to for a decade and a half now. And he's just easing concerns around the investments because the last thing they need is for their stock price to plummet. Now, why would that be a bad thing if you think, well, when they just get back to doing usual business, their stock price will rise again? Now, it's bad because companies like Apple, who we've been talking about lately, can come in and basically buy them out. Now, you can always stop hostile takeovers with different stuff like poison pills. However, when their price drops dramatically due to this current crisis, they would be extremely easy for a company like Apple that has basically billions and billions of dollars worth of cash that they could just use to buy out remaining shares, especially if there's a massive stock market sell-off in which the availability of shares in Disney is extremely high. Now, you may wonder why in the first place Apple would want to buy Disney. Well, they've tried to do their Apple TV Plus subscription. However, it is doing the worst out of all the sort of major plays in the market at the moment. Disney Plus has been doing extremely well, as we talked about last week. I don't know why it's doing really well. It has almost nothing on it, but apparently nostalgia sells like crazy. They have been averaging for the five months that they've been operational with Disney Plus, 10 million subscribers a month. That is 50 million subscribers since they launched. To put that in perspective, Netflix has about 160 million, and they have been around since the mid-2000s. Now, I don't actually mind some of the stuff that's been on Apple TV+. Plus. I quite liked uh, that Hayley Steinfeld show, Dickinson. And I thought C was surprisingly good. It looked stupid from the trailer, uh, the one with Jason Momoa. However, it was actually quite good. But what sells is nostalgia, and what sells is having a back catalogue. Netflix was extremely popular for a long time because not only was like House of Cards good, they had access to Friends, Seinfeld, The Office, both, you know, American and the UK version, and a massive film library that they acquired the rights to from the other studios. Apple just doesn't have a library at all, and for them to solely go on new content that they produce will take them forever to build up any sort of library that anybody is interested in, to any sort of major degree anyway. They also don't own the rights to anything. So, as you can imagine, Disney owns the rights to Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, stuff like that. So it's not just the own Disney content that they're producing. And the stuff that's available on the market anymore, because Bob Iger bought up everything, is basically MGM. And look, MGM's got like a 4,000 film library, but if you actually look at their library, it's 4,000 films of crap. So yeah, you'd build up a good library sort of in the number of films, but quality over content. Netflix has an abundance of content. However, it's sort of a core few shows and films that are actually watched. So how is Disney losing $30 million a day? Well, basically, stuff costs money 
to keep it running even when it's not actually open to the public. So Disney spends a crazy amount of money even on just keeping mosquitoes at bay at half their parks. They've still got to do these things because when they open again, they can't have mosquitoes attacking everybody, for example. Now, obviously, that's an extreme example, but you get my point that Disney has to spend a lot of money still on maintenance of these cruises, theme parks and film studios, even though they're not really being utilized. Now, another reason this is majorly concerning is because they've got a massive amount of debt. Now, why do they have heaps of debt? Well, basically, because they bought Fox and Comcast basically played them by counterbidding them and then driving up by like $10 billion their original asking price. So basically, Disney has one core moneymaker, and that is Disney+. Plus. However, Disney Plus is not churning out the amount of revenue that you'd hope for because a lot of people have a plan for Disney Plus because they got it as a promotional tool out of like, let's say, their Verizon phone plan. I've seen people online saying it's because they're pushing their sort of their agenda lately and maybe you shouldn't go woke to go broke. You know that saying that's been thrown around the internet a lot. Now, I don't actually think it is because of this because, you know, it's not like their movies have been tanking. They made like $11 billion last year at the box office, even with The Rise of Skywalker, which was just awful. You know, that movie still made over a billion dollars. Now, obviously, if it was actually any good, it would have made over like $2 billion. It would have made like endgame money, you know, and it should have because Star Wars is the greatest franchise of all time. However, it is still making them absolutely massive amounts of money. Just remember, not only did George Lucas sell Star Wars to them, he sold them for a ridiculously low price. Now, obviously to us, a few billion dollars is a lot of money. And even for George Lucas, that's a lot of money. But for Disney, getting that IP in which they can average a billion dollars a film putting it out, that is nothing. So like I said, one of the areas that sort of really hurt them lately is their movie business, as you can imagine. Now... Soul has been delayed. Now, that's the new Pixar film that's basically like their tempole film. And it's directed by Pete Docter. And he's done like Monsters, Inc. in 2001. He did 2009's Up and 2015's Inside Out. Now, Soul, I think, looks a bit too Inside Out-y. The way it sort of changed halfway through. Because it looked perfect up until he died and became that little blue person. However, Disney will be putting a lot of hope behind this sort of tempole film. Because Onward absolutely bombed at the box office. I'm actually yet to see Onward, so I can't sort of comment on its quality maybe affecting its box office, but from what I've seen, the reviews are quite good, and the word of mouth was quite good, so I don't think that is what caused it. I think it's just purely because the coronavirus and the marketing for it was absolute trash. So they'll be really needing Soul to come out nice and big, not only because Onward flopped, but because they need some money coming in big time Disney to pay off their debts. So Soul's been delayed till November 20th. Now, a movie that was originally supposed to come out on November 20th was June. Now, this was rescheduled for release in August of 2019, so it wasn't rescheduled due to the coronavirus like some other films. However, it's coming out on December 18th, 2020 now. Now, June, I'm extremely excited for, because first of all, its cast is absolutely ridiculously amazing. It's got Timothy Chalamet, Javier Bardem, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, Stellan Skarsgård, and Josh Brolin. The real highlight that it's been directed by Denis Villeneuve. Now, he has got an absolutely amazing filmography. He did Enemy, which was great. He did Prisoners, which was fantastic. I absolutely love that movie. Sicario, great. Arrival, great. And then, of course, he recently did Blade Runner 2049, which, if you've seen my cover art, I absolutely love that movie. I think it is perfect. I think it is better than the original. I don't care what anybody says. I absolutely adore Blade Runner 2049. So I was absolutely exhilarated when I found out that he was doing June next. So for June, we've finally got our first official image released. Now, it looks absolutely fantastic. Timothy Chalamet is on like this beach and it's got like what I think are vehicles behind him in the air. Whatever they are, they look absolutely fantastic. So it looks extremely good. 
And then some even better images, I think, in my opinion, were released on uh, people's social media accounts. So if you are watching this on the YouTube version, I'll put up some photos of those that have been released uh, now. And if you're just listening, then obviously you can just check them out for yourself online. They're everywhere. So I think the best images to come out of the release was the photo Zendaya put up of herself. And she looks absolutely incredible as always. And then you've got Jason Momoa, who looks a bit funny without a beard, I've got to say. But he's doing his sword stuff. And if you've seen C, like I talked about earlier, the uh, Apple TV Plus show, he's absolutely incredible when he's doing action scenes with a sword. Moving on to topic four. Now, we're actually going back to Disney here. So sorry about that. But there's a lot of Disney news this week. They have watched Cats and decided, hey, why don't we make something just as terrifying? They're going to do a live action remake of the Robin Hood 1973 film, which was released by Wolfgang Reithman, who, if you don't know, was a part of Disney's original Nine Old Men. And they're basically the sort of key directors that made Disney what it is today. I absolutely loved the 1973 film when I was a kid. And in typical Disney fashion, they have decided to try and ruin the classics. Now, it is going to be a CGI version of the film. So they're not doing like a live action human version because as we've seen, those all flop like crazy. They are doing a CGI version of the snake, the rhino, the tiger, the lion, and of course, Robin Hood being a fox, which really is a bit of a terrifying thought because if you saw Lion King, like it looks all right, I guess, for a while, but like... It is nowhere near as good as the animated films. And I think when they're doing the live action remakes, they should genuinely be live action and not just a re-CGI animation of So more like Aladdin as opposed to The Lion King. Because, you know, you say whatever you want about a blue Will Smith genie. He is nowhere near as good as Robin Williams, but he was perfectly fine in my opinion. However, that is a lot better than just reanimating in this sort of Bonday realistic CGI look. So look, it'll probably go through because it will make the money, I imagine. However, I really hope it doesn't. Moving on to our next topic is uh, Martin Scorsese going mental again. Now, obviously, I'm joking. He never went mental, but he doesn't seem to understand how economics works. He complains about Marvel movies and, you know, he doesn't have to like Marvel movies. But if Marty wants to make a movie with Warner Brothers, he's going to have to like DC films and understand why they are made. If he wants to make them with Fox or something, he needs to understand why Disney makes Marvel movies. They are what makes money. Artsy films do not make any money regardless of how good they are. Simply because they don't have any mass appeal. And studios need the mass appeal films to create money that they can then use for some of the more artsy films. If they just made artsy films the whole time, unless they're the caliber of A24, how are they supposed to survive? But it's not only that he's wanting to make a high art film. He's wanting to make a high art film in which it is an estimated cost of $200 million, maybe even more than $200 million, to make his next film. So Scorsese wants to make Killers of the Flower Moon. Does that sound like a movie to you that is going to make absolute box office when Wolf of Wall Street only made mid-300s? No, any studio that agrees to it will basically be saying, hey, Marty, you're a great filmmaker. Here's $200 million. I know we're going to lose money on this thing, but oh well. So I don't know if Marty's just got this crazy sense of entitlement that he thinks studios should just be handing out him hundreds of millions of dollars when they know they're not going to make it back. However, I don't even know what he needs $200 million for because The Irishman made $175 million and that was basically cost so much because of the de-aging process. The next one must be because Leo DiCaprio wants $50 million for it. But generally speaking, Leonardo DiCaprio has an asking price of about $20 million per film that he does. Now, let's say Robert De Niro also wants $20 million. That's $40 million. What in the hell does Marty Scorsese need $160 million for? I don't understand how any movie that he's doing is going to cost that amount of money. 
So he was already rejected by a bunch of the big studios. So he may be forced to go back to Netflix. However, I'm not sure Netflix are going to want Marty Scorsese back. Because The Irishman was good, but it cost them $175 million to make. And they did not make that money back. Not $175 million worth of people signed up to Netflix just to watch The Irishman. Now, at the end of the day, I hope this movie does get made because I do like Martin Scorsese and he makes some absolutely amazing films. And really, if you look at it, he is the most consistent filmmaker out of those sort of original filmmakers still working today. Spielberg, in my opinion, has become quite complacent. George Lucas doesn't do anything at all, ever. Not that I think George Lucas is the caliber of director that those two are, but still, there is really, other than maybe Christopher Nolan, Denis Villeneuve, no one else is making consistently really high-quality films like Martin Scorsese. Like, even look at Francis Ford Coppola. He made the Godfather trilogy, Apocalypse Now, and where in the name has he been? Anyway, going back to some more Disney properties, yay! Uh, Marvel this time, though. Um, the next one will be on Hulk, and then the one after that will be on uh, Thor Love and Thunder. So basically, with the Hulk, unfortunately, Mark Ruffalo has basically said in an interview that they have no immediate plans for the Hulk. Now, they are doing She-Hulk on Disney+, Plus. however... There is no Hulk standalone film, and there is no Hulk standalone Disney Plus show. There's not even Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk coming in into someone else's movie like he did in Thor Ragnarok. Now, I've seen people instantly complain that I wish Edward Norton was the Hulk. Edward Norton would not change a thing. Mark Ruffalo is an actor. He's not the director of these movies. He's not Kevin Feige, who's the lead producer of these movies. He basically has no say in what they're doing. If Edward Norton was there, he'd just be more annoying. People also complaining that Edward Norton would be a better Hulk because they didn't like Professor Hulk in Endgame. The Hulk would be the exact same regardless of who was in the role. Mark Ruffalo just got the role over Edward Norton and they recast him because Edward Norton is the most annoying person in Hollywood by all accounts. And he has these high aspirations for high quality movies. Watch his podcast with Joe Rogan. You will realize that Ed Norton thinks he's a lot more intelligent than he actually is. Now he's a great actor but he is not a writer-director. And you look at him try to put a sentence together, Andre Rogan, and he was trying to say some sort of big, deep philosophical stuff, and he just, just wouldn't finish his sentence, and Joe Rogan would just have to top on in. He would basically talk for three minutes, but actually really say nothing. Now, I personally thought that Professor Hulk was amusing for 10 seconds, and then it got a bit annoying, and you just realize, oh, so we're never going to get the real Hulk back. But what Stun has done... And look, they could sort of go back on it and somehow sort of make the Hulk come back and overpower him. I think a good happy spot was where he was in Thor Ragnarok if they wanted to do it because there was a good combination there of crazy amount of Hulk. But he had more of a personality than just Hulk smash. So if they want him to have a personality, I think they should have left him there because I don't need it basically just being Bruce Banner, Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Because I don't know about you, but I think the Hulk is far more interesting than Bruce Banner. So this is a bit of shame to hear because I really like the Hulk and I was hoping he'd be utilized a bit more in the MCU than he was. Now, obviously, they had the film rights with Universal or whatever it was, and they had to recast Bruce Banner. So I get that sort of maybe threw off the big role that he was going to have in the uh, MCU originally. However, they needed to delve into his character more. They should have given him his own Disney Plus show. They should have given him his own movie, something. We needed more Hulk. And because he's basically the only one left out of the original, because Black Widow's dead... Captain America is 3,000 years old and basically he can't help out. Tony's dead. Hawkeye's basically just hanging out with his family. So basically all we've got is Thor and Hulk left. And they really are two amazing characters. 
So they're doing a lot of effort on Thor, so that's fine. But they're not doing enough with Hulk, and they didn't do enough with Hulk before he became Professor Hulk. They should have almost made us sick of Hulk by the time they met him Professor Hulk, so we were sort of wanting a change of pace. But I don't think anyone was going, we need a different version of Hulk. We're sick of this version of Hulk. He's been shown a million times. He hasn't. We needed more original Hulk before they transferred him over. But moving on from there, uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Now coming out Feb 18th, 2022, Taika Waititi was asked about a bunch of stuff. He said, everything we have, we just said yes to. We just basically took all the ideas and said, yes, let's do that. Now that usually would sound like the movie's going to be absolute trash. However, that's just what Taika's like. And if you saw Jojo Rabbit, who would think that that movie concept would be any good? And that movie was just absolutely fantastic. So I've got complete faith that uh, Thor Love and Thunder will be great, even with um, Natalie Portman as being a secondary Thor. And it's not because she's a woman. Don't, don't, don't tell me that. It's because it's Natalie Portman. If you put Hayley Steinfeld as her, I would like it. If you, put, if you put Margot Robbie there, cool. I like those actresses. It's pure and simply because I don't really like Natalie Portman. And I'm so keen for Black Widow to come out. And also, uh, just quickly, Sam Raimi has confirmed that he is in fact working on Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness. So, yes to that. Uh, in other news, Trolls World Tour was released by DreamWorks. Uh, they are obviously owned by NBC Universal, which is also owned by Comcast. One of the absolute dead shit companies. So this movie was actually released on straight to video and they've decided to skip the theatres altogether. Now because of that, they've basically made it available for rent only. However, it's not your usual rental price. They've put it up for rent at 20 bucks. $20 to rent it. Now I think that uh, rental price is a bit steep. I think, yeah, you know, fine, increase it because you're skipping the theatres. However, $20 I think is just a bit too steep because, you know, you're not getting the theatre experience or anything like that that you'd usually pay for if you went to the cinema and paid that amount of money to watch the movie. But because of this steep price, they made $96 million opening weekend because of this. This beats Mulan. So it'll be interesting to see if this actually holds after the coronavirus situation dies down because... That's an incredible amount of money, and it's unbelievable that a straight-to-video release can make that kind of cash. So it'll be interesting to see if they do do that with some films in the future, whereas before they maybe put them out in theatres for a while, they made just hardly any money, then they made most of their money on video demand. But if you just put it straight out, that could help a lot of the cost. Talking about theatres as well, if you look at last week's show, you will have seen that we talked about how AMC is on the verge of bankruptcy. Now, they've met with bankruptcy lawyers this week. Their share price has also dropped another 20%. So they are in absolutely awful amounts of trouble. And look, this isn't completely due to them because they put a lot of money in to making their theatres better, which, you know, good for them. I think way more theatres should do that because some theatres are absolutely gross and need of an upgrade desperately. So I think it's admirable that they did take out some debt to upgrade most of their theatres because I think that's really important. And if you want people to keep coming back to theatres, it's got to be a nice experience. You can't just cut costs, cut costs, cut costs in a hope that you could create bigger margins from that. You make everything better, you attract more customers as opposed to trying to keep your existing customers and cutting those costs. The problem is, as soon as they did this, the coronavirus happened and they just had to basically shut everything down and now they can't pay their rent. They've stopped paying their rent completely. In fact, they just told their landlords, hey, we can't pay. See you later. We will pay you when everything opens again and we actually have the money. Now to put into context on how bad they're doing, I saw a very sort of relevant example put up. So this is not me. This is I've seen this somewhere else. Uh, someone said, if you invested $5,000 into AMC before this had happened, that $5,000 would now be worth 750 
So if you think they're going to go bankrupt, you should sell because what happens is, is if they go bankrupt, what often companies do is that they will just wipe those shares out and they will reissue more shares. So it's not a case of like you normally would where you would hold it and hope it comes back up because you know that the theaters will bounce back. If they go bankrupt, those shares will be wiped. So you will lose all of your money. So if you think they'll go bankrupt, you should sell as soon as possible, I think, in my opinion anyway. And then if you don't think they'll go bankrupt, you should hold on to it because then you'll get the rebound effect. But obviously you're not getting any rebound effect if they go bankrupt because like I said, they're just going to reissue new shares. You're going to lose all your investment. Now I'm going to be perfectly honest. If you have invested in theaters of all things, I would question why it doesn't seem like a very good idea, but you know, you've obviously done more research on it than me clearly so go ahead but i don't really see how their company can grow that much really i mean theaters are pretty much the most mature market you can have so i really don't see how theater companies would be growing that much for you wanting to invest in them but look maybe i'm wrong so if i am wrong you know let me know in the comments that they're actually quite a good investment usually obviously not now but usually and we'd love to hear why now for the last topic that i'm going to be covering today i'm going to be reviewing better call saul episode 9 of season 5 called bad choice now this will be a spoiler review i'm not doing a spoiler free review so if you've been listening up to now great see you next week if you do want to hear it obviously keep listening but if you don't want to spoil for you you know come back to it after you've watched the episode so getting into it, spoilers in three, two, one. This was a fantastic episode. Absolutely incredible. I still think uh, last week's episode was better because that episode was just phenomenal in my opinion. However, this episode was just as great. And oh, the last scene with Lalo was absolutely intense. Like one of the most intense scenes I've seen, not just on that show, but in most shows in a while. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So basically we start off right where we left off last episode where they're still out in the desert. Now, I thought this episode was probably going to still be in the desert or something, but he gets cell reception fairly quickly. They get to a service station. They're just buying new clothes. They bought their energy drinks to get some fluids back in them because obviously he'd just been drinking piss for the past day. And surprisingly, Jimmy didn't lose any of the money. I cannot believe that Jimmy didn't lose any of the money. I thought instantly how this is going to resolve itself is that Jimmy's going to finally get out of there but realize the bag's been torn open again and he's lost half the bag of cash. Or he'd somehow just lost his $100,000 payment. So basically he did all of it for free. I thought that was going to be sort of the payoff. So the greatest character of the show, in my opinion, Mike and him just figure out a plan on what they're going to tell people, figure out a story, tell everyone the story. However, that's where the exciting bit comes in because for most of this episode, that story works. Kim finds out fairly quickly that that's not the story when she finds the bag of cash and his coffee mug in it that's been shot through so clearly she's aware of what's actually happened or gets an idea at least but it's not until Lalo's about to cross the border that he wants to check out the scene he finds the car in the ditch that they pushed in there and it's got bullet holes all through it now I instantly thought well I mean let's say Jimmy's car did break down it's perfectly acceptable that it would have been shot at and then pushed into a ditch I mean I mean that's obviously going to happen out there Obviously, Kim makes that point later on in the episode in their argument, but I'll get to that in a second. Lalo, who is somehow the most terrifying character, even though he never does really anything that terrifying other than killing that guy at Travel Wire at the beginning of his appearances, he becomes suspicious. He then goes and visits. Now, Mike gets wind of this, so he's trying to call Jimmy while they're arguing. But luckily, he gets onto uh, Jimmy just as Kim goes to answer the door because Lalo's knocked on her. So Kim opens the door to a absolutely terrifying Lalo just standing there in the hallway looking all ominous and stuff. He then comes in, 
showing his gun in his waistband to really freak him out. He then taps on the glass of the fish tank. Even after Jimmy says, please don't tap on the fish tank, he then does it later to make him even more freaked out. He keeps asking him to tell him the story. He goes again. He goes, yep, tell me again. And he just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating to try and get Jimmy to tell him the truth. Now, Kim, who is an absolute boss, comes in, confronts Lalo, gives him an absolutely believable story, and that ends the scene. However, the scene was really driven up when Kim stands in front of the shot Mike has on Lalo from the sniper across the road. Well, it's not a sniper, it's a rifle, but you know what he's using it for, basically, like a sniper, uh, with that scope. Now, it basically resolves itself. Lalo goes downstairs. He still seems highly suspicious, and I doubt that he liked being talked to like that. Now, I think what he said to Nacho was that he's going to take him over the border, basically. So he's going back over the border, but it seems like he's going to take Nacho with him. Now, there's only one episode left in this uh, second last season. So I'm very, very nervous for both Nacho, for his father, and for, of course, Kim. Especially after she talked to Lalo like that. I'm very nervous for Kim because she knows a lot. Even though Lalo is protected by the privilege of the relationship because they're married, I feel like... He still won't want any loose hands from people who have no problem confronting him because he likes to run his operation off fear. So absolutely amazing episode. I would probably rank it second best episode of the season and I'd give it an overall rating of 90 out of 100. Only beaten out by last week's episode, which I reckon 95 out of 100 for that one. This show is so criminally underrated and I can't believe it is because it's a spin-off of the greatest TV show of all time, Breaking Bad, and... It is so amazing and perfect and doesn't fall victim of any of the general prequel tropes. People say nothing happens in this show. I mean, are you joking? Like, yes, there's no dragons like Game of Thrones, you flogs. And you are the people that turned Game of Thrones into what it became. Because basically you want to watch more action scenes instead of good dialogue. Now, I didn't used to be a part of that sort of group that goes like, or if you don't like certain shows like this, you're just dumb. Because I'm like, well, no, you're not dumb. You just don't like it. However, I was at the airport. And this person was watching, I think it was Infinity War or something. And he watched the whole thing. Except you know what he did? He literally just skipped from action scene to action scene to action scene. Like, how do you how do you enjoy movies just purely because they're an action scene? Like, what is wrong with you? Don't you enjoy anything where it's a bit more like slow burn? Now, obviously, if you just don't like Better Call Saul because you just don't like it, well, that's fine. But if you're going to tell me that nothing happens in this show, I think you have not been paying attention. That's just facts. If you've listened all the way to the end of the uh, podcast, thank you so much for listening. Join me again next week for another episode. And make sure you also tune in for the other stuff I discuss throughout the week that I want to talk about, you know, right now. So I'll be having like a Westworld episode six review coming out straight after the show on Monday because that season I think is really starting to pick up. And any another news I think is really important that I should be talking about sort of right now instead of waiting for the podcast to discuss it. Depending on where you are, either subscribe to the podcast in Apple iTunes or on the YouTube channel or Spotify, where you know, wherever it's relevant. Make sure you check out my website for the news blog throughout the week. That'll give you stories as they come out. And you can find links to all the podcasts and all of my other videos on my other YouTube channels where we cover tech, personal finance and investing. So for all of that content, check out www.thesupplymediapodcast.com. If you want to guarantee a topic to be covered on the show, head over to the Stream Elements link and put in a tip question. All paid questions will be covered either in a podcast or on the video or in the news blog, depending on the tier that you select. Anything under $50 will be covered on the podcast and in an existing video 
anything over $50, I will make a separate entire video and podcast for that question by itself. Those paid questions really help support the channel. Other way you can support the channel is on Patreon. And even if you just want to subscribe, go ahead and subscribe. That is the first and best way to support the channel. So for those subscribers out there, thanks a lot, guys and girls. See you next week.